Live from the studios of KTAR News 92.3 FM, it's the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show with Brian Whitfield. Everything you need to know to grow. Call Brian with your questions at 602-277-5827. That's 602-277-5827. The Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, now on KTAR News 92.3 FM and the KTAR News app. Well, welcome back, folks. Beautiful morning out there. We got uh, one line available, a number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Take our next caller, Lynn in Phoenix. Good morning, Lynn. Well, good morning. How are you? Excellent. And you? Good. I need your advice on how to do a better job with my pomegranate tree in that I planted it about eight years ago. But I've yet to have any real luck producing the pomegranate. Um, in fact, the seeds don't even start to turn red until about Christmas time. So, well, with the warm then, weather we've had in the past several years, uh, they have ripened much later, and it would be uh, oh, really? ripening almost in December. Now, a couple pointers is uh, if you want the fruit to be bigger. You want to thin the trees down. So in January, you want to take out, if you've got like just a full bush full of shoots, you want to thin it down to less trunks that are coming up. How large is your plant now, Lynn? I would say it's it's more than 10 feet tall. It's probably between 10 and 15 feet. Okay, so this tall. winter, this winter thin out all those suckers and shoots that are on the inside and take out probably 50% of the growth that's coming up. And, and thin those out and just take them out and then take the top two feet off the tree. Okay. For and fruit. Top the tree. Yeah. T- take okay. it, take it down by at least probably up, up to a third. Any of the fruit you have on it now, if you want to try to have that make good fruit for the season, wrap those right now with a paper bag and put a rubber band around the trunk, around the stem so that the insects and birds won't get them. Okay. All right. And that's going to help that fruit get bigger, but they're really not going to be ripe. You know, this year might be different because we're, you know, we're cooler this, this October than we were last year. But last, last year we were so warm in November that, you know, our lemons that normally would be breaking color in November didn't break color till the middle of December. So, you know, we've had some really warm falls and, and, uh, so that's going to make a difference is when they ripen. It's going to take some cold weather for them to, to change and become better. But if you'll thin the plants down this winter, reduce its size and that way you'll get fewer blooms and it'll have more nourishment coming from a larger root system to those you'll get bigger fruit okay and then make sure you do protect them this fall and enjoy them for christmas well and then when is what is the best type of fertilizer to use they're not real picky, um, but if you want to be organic, you could use like chicken manure or fish emulsion. They'll work fine with that, but they'll work fine, fine with like a citrus food too. Citrus food, mm-hmm. okay. And the watering, I think that I have an issue with the way I water. Well, the critical watering thing for pomegranates is to make sure that they're very well watered uh, when the fruit's developing at the fastest rate. So that's going to be the end of May through the end of July. And a lot of times you'll see pomegranates split, and they split because the plant's growing fast, the fruit's expanding that time of year, and then the then if you miss an irrigation, if it's too spread out, they don't get enough water, they'll stop growing. And then when our humidity comes in August, they'll start to grow again, they'll split. So it's really critical that late May through the end of July irrigation is very critical so the, the fruit doesn't split and develop 
nicer quality fruit. Lynn, I'm going to let you go. Thanks for the call. Thanks. Uh, next up, we have uh, Diane in Ahwatukee. Good morning, Diane. Good morning, Brian. Thanks for taking my call. It was interesting about the pomegranates because I have a pomegranate tree that I planted maybe three or four years ago. And I most of my problem I thought was the birds. You know, they would. What well, is the birds up. and the bugs? That's why we're going to wrap them with that rubber band and paper. Paper bag okay. and a rubber band. You you take them off the tree and wrap no, 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 them? No, 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 no. Leave, leave them on the tree. What we're doing is we're hiding them, okay? Hiding them from the birds, and we're sealing them from the oh. insects, all right? So when you put Great, it in that bag, I mean, the bird can't see it anymore. So out of sight, out of mind. You know, they, cool. they have attention deficit disorder, those birds. I mean, they have all day to go play around, but, you know, they don't spend much Sounds time looking in paper bags. Okay, I have an Arizona sweet that's about 20 years old, and I've got uh, two or three branches that are not producing that much, and they're turning a light green. Is that lack of water? Do I have a fungus? Do I need to have well, somebody you could, come you look could, at Well, you could have a fungus. You could even have something like nematodes or something. So first to look for a fungus, look at that branch and look back down and see if it's bleeding any sap anywhere. Okay. okay. And if you see any little bubbles of sap, that would be a sign that you have phytophthora, which is a soil fungus. And we call it gamosis when it gets in the citrus trees. And it's very common. Uh-huh. Are you like off of 40th Street in Ahwatukee in the heavy soil? 40. I'm 48. Yeah, okay. 48. So, you, so you've got, you've got, yeah, Canada. you've got heavier soil in there. So you're going to want your trees to get dry in between irrigations. And that's the part of Ahwatukee where you would see more gamosis or, you know, phytophthora. So check for that first. You- Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm out here looking at it. I don't really see. It's hard no. to tell what's water dribbling down or not. Um, but I, I'm really tempted to call somebody and have them come look. Do you guys make house calls? Not normally. Uh, you know, I, I, if I'd made house calls, Diana, I'd never have a life. Not that, you know... <laughs> Not to be worth having. No, but anyway, it's a problem. Is I, you know, I sometimes do, but it's just, you know, it's it's not as much as I'd like to. I mean, I, I wish I could spend yeah. all my all my time, you know, visiting with people. But and that's why I come visit every you know Saturday and Sunday morning on the radio. But at any rate, uh, check for that. Okay, and okay. Why, why we see a lot of uh, gamosis in Ahwatukee is because you have heavy clay soil, and because they're staying wet too long. Okay, so in your in your neighborhood this time of year, that tree should be watered once every two weeks on a big tree. All right, and deep watered real heavy once every two weeks. And what about fertilizer? Uh, It's great. You can fertilize it as often as you want in the growing season. So the growing season goes from February till now. So this would be the last possible time you fertilize it. You could fertilize it right now because I'll probably grow for another four or five weeks. But this is kind of the end of it. Uh, And if you do see any of those little spots out there with a little little bit of uh, gummosis, which would be like little balls of sap, and they can be on the limbs or they could be on the trunk or the trunk itself could look wet. The best way to treat that is with Monterey disease control. And basically what that is is a bacteria that eats fungus, and you can douse the, mix it with water and put it in the well and water it in. You can actually spray it on the foliage. It'll go through the foliage, too. And that does a pretty good job of controlling it. The other thing that you might have, Monterey Monterey Disease Control. The other thing you might try doing is giving it a shot of some extra iron, or chelated iron would be the best, and that helps to balance out your micronutrients, and you can, you know, you're really not going to give it too much iron, so you might try some, you know, giving it some chelated iron at the same time, okay, and that would be a good thing. All right. Thank you so much, Brian. Thanks, Diane. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let's see next. We got Les and Gilbert. Hello, Les. Hi, Brian. Hey, um, we uh, just got 
two aspen trees from you guys, and they're really looking good. And really appreciate your service. Well, they're probably not aspens. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, what do they have out at the Mesa Cemetery? Mm-hmm. Oh, Italian cypress? Yeah. So, okay, yeah. Uh, that's it. Oh, sorry. But uh, the problem I'm having is um, I had a heart attack this last year, and when I got out of the hospital, uh, the um, uh, our landscaper put some weed preventive control around our citrus trees. Okay. And and I'm afraid that uh, I can't see any little fruit developing. Will that knock all the fruit? Well, it could, tree? Les. And here's the thing is what, what you don't want them to do is you don't want to do it again. Okay. So some of these chemicals can last up to a year in the ground. And uh, and, they, and they'll definitely have problems like that. It's even like, uh, you know, even with pre-emergence, you want to know what you're doing around fruit trees. But at any rate, whatever you did last year should be over for this year. Okay, so it shouldn't have an effect on this next year's crop. And as, as we say in farming, there's always next year. So what I would do is make sure you get that first early fertilizer in there, you know, around Valentine's Day, the regular time. And, and I think you'll uh-huh. probably find out they'll probably come back and bloom and do okay this year. And just have them not use it ever again. Well, we have a, uh, often our gravel, which is down to the side of our house, uh-huh. as where the citrus trees are. There's a bunch of weeds that grow in there. Well, here's and, the, the, um, best, the best way to control weeds, okay, is going to be to come through and, and spray them with a with a basically a herbicide. So that would be like Roundup, okay? And the Roundup okay. or any kind of glyphosate like that is going to be safer for your trees than the other types of herbicides. And so that's just going to be a contact killer. That's going to kill them when they come up. And remember, it's a lot easier to kill a weed that's a half inch tall than one that's a foot tall. So if you can have them pay attention and spray them when they first come up, that should knock them out. Okay. The other thing okay. you could do is you can use a pre-emergent. Okay. So the pre-emergents are like pendimethalin and they're pre-emergents, but you don't want to put the pre-emergents on, you know, right around the bloom cycle. So if you're going to use a pre-emergent on citrus, you know, you would either use it in the fall, like right now. Okay. And this would be a good time to control winter weeds, or you would use it in the spring after the fruit set, like in April. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, like everybody else, we've got a lot of rain. Oh, a ton of rain. And uh, the wells in our um, citrus trees just filled up with water. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if that, uh, it doesn't look like we're going to get any uh, citrus this year because probably of this. It's called preen weed control. Uh-huh. Well, preen's fairly control. safe. That's a pre-emergent, but uh, you, you really, uh-huh. should, you know, and, it, and it's it's safer than most. I mean, it really is not a bad one, but it's the time when it's applied. So if he would have put preen on that tree, you know, last month, which was a, it's a normal time to apply a pre-emergent, yeah, that would be fine. But uh-huh. you know, less in our citrus groves, we grow them all organically, right? So we can't use any kind of chemicals like that in our in our groves. They're all prohibited. I can't use Roundup. We can't use any of the pre-emergents. So we just have to deal with taking the weeds out mechanically. 
Okay, so that means that okay. we some fields we test, some fields we we use a no-till system where we don't do anything and we just hoe the weeds out. But after time, they're kind of gone. But the biggest reason why we don't have weeds under our citrus groves is because the canopies on the trees get dense enough where it's shaded under the tree, and then we don't get yeah. any weeds. So if you can let your canopies on your citrus grow lower to the ground, you won't have the light under there, and you won't get the weeds under the trees. Yeah, and and our trees have grown. Uh, we've been here two years now, uh-huh. and they've grown uh, probably doubled in size. In well, the are are the younger so, trees less? How old are they? Yeah. Okay. They're, they were put in about three years ago. Yeah, well, when we plant a new grove for the first five years, you know, we fight weeds with a hoe like you can't believe. And, and, and our labor cost on that you know, are really expensive, but, uh, yeah. you know, it just, it just kind of what we have to do to be certified organic. You can use pre-emergence on them, but if you're going to use a pre-emergence, you want to stay away from the flower cycle. Okay. So you'd want to put it on in September and then again in April. Okay. All right. Well, that's probably what, what I did wrong, but I was out well, Les, if I could take care of all my mistakes and all the things I've done around, I would, you know, I'm sure I've killed more plants than anybody listening. You know, I've killed more plants well, than anybody I know. And, and well, most of the time it was Brian. accidental. <laughs> well, thanks for being part of it, Les. Thanks, <laughs> thanks for coming and getting some trees from us, too. We appreciate it. All right. Bye, Les. All right. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Uh, we're going to take a short break. While we're gone, we've got Les's line open. The number to call six zero two two seven seven five eight two seven two seven seven KTR. Sunday morning. Looks like the lines are all full, but as one's gone, one will be available. The number to call, 602-277-5827. Larry and Scottsdale, happy Sunday to you, Larry. Happy Sunday back, yeah. 
Um, hey, Brian, I was looking at a couple of uh, citrus trees. I have a tangelo and a lime tree, and the leaves were getting eaten. And I found a bunch of really ugly caterpillars on my tree. Um, you know, they're two inches long, uh, some of them. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, are, are these just seasonal? or They're, I they're very seasonal, or? Larry, and then they're there because we've had um, the monsoon kind of weather, which was a real monsoon, and they make mm-hmm. beautiful butterflies. So, um, so if you have big citrus trees, you know, you don't mind them. You know, they're one of the things that remind me of growing up in a citrus grove in my childhood, and we never, ever sprayed citrus, okay? If, they, if they're bothering you, you've got two options. Well, three options. Um, you know, you, you can leave them, okay? Or you could spray them with, like, BT bacillus thungensis, which will kill the caterpillars and end the butterfly cycle. Or you could take them off and put them on your neighbor's tree. You know, yeah, they're I, big I enough and easy to off. catch. <laughs> yeah, they're they're very gross looking. So I hope well, they're pretty we describe their look as a turkey turd, like a turkey flew up on your tree and took a dump. Yep. you know, and the coloration exactly is what keeps birds from eating them. They're like, oh, that's not a caterpillar. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. you know, so unless they were on a real young tree, I, I would just let it be. They're they're gonna they're about ready to finish their cycle over the next couple of weeks, and then they'll okay, be gone. Great, I'll leave uh, I'll leave them alone. Uh, one more question: Is there some sort of soil or fertilizer secret to growing blue plumbagos? I've had the most difficult time, and I I read in books that they're supposed to do super well. They're pretty easy here. here in general. Uh, what what they do best is the exposure is probably going to make more difference. Southern or eastern exposure is the best. Okay. okay. They really won't fare well on the west side of a wall. So if you have a, a masonry wall on the west side and you have rock out in front of it, they're not going to do very well. Um, okay. Eastern or southern exposure. And they'll start off better if you'll mend the soil. So, I mean, if you're going to plant new ones, if you'll dig a hole twice as big as a container, add some organic to it, it'll help a lot. And they'll benefit from fertilizer as well. Um, you know, right. so you can feed them with like a 20-20-20, your miracle Grower Peters or, you know, 16-8-4 lawn citrus or citrus food would be fine. All those things will work well on them. But the most important thing is the right exposure. South is the best and east is good. Okay. Well, I did the complete opposite, so. Well, if you I, uh, plant them on the west side, it's going to be too hot. Plant them on the north side, they won't get enough sun. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate the help. Thanks, Larry. Bye-bye. Oh, let's see. Uh, Valerie in Scottsdale. Good morning, Valerie. Good morning, Brian. I listen to your show every week, and I get so many good tips from it. Um, my summer lawn in the front yard is no more because of my two large pine trees. And so I try to keep my winter lawn as long as I can. But um, someone told me something about zoysia grass seed. Will that work here? It won't last through the summer. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you might as well plant your rye. You know, and you yeah. can paint your rye too, and you can plant early. Yes, I do plant early, Brian. Now, but, uh, my so anniversary is August 24th, and we didn't have the money to put in a big lawn that we had for our party. And so we planted our rye grass lawn before our, our wedding on the 1st of August and had a beautiful lawn. Mm. Yeah, my landscaper doesn't want to bring it before <laughs> before a certain time. Well, you can plant it. You can plant it as early as you like, and the hotter it is, the better it'll germinate. You know, okay. it, it just is never going to make it through July. But uh, so, so you paint it before it dies in the in the. Uh, 
Yeah, the okay. last time you mow it, just go through and paint it with lawn paint. And okay. uh, then you could cut the sprinklers way back. And you know, and the big pine trees are kind of neat too, because when they really they they benefit a lot from the winter rains that we used to have, or you can water the rain. So when you're watering that ryegrass in the winter time, that's mm-hmm. perfect perfect for your pine trees. Okay, yeah, and I then, love my pine trees. <laughs> well, and then keeping them through the spring, you'll get plenty of irrigation for them, and uh, mm-hmm. and it'll all be fine. And just yeah, hit it with lawn paint. You know, like the fifteen. Well, say say the you know the the first or second week of June. Okay. And, uh, shut the water off it, and it'll be fine. And, and the pine trees can go, you know, five or six weeks in there with no water and be happy. Yeah, well, I have to deep water them now because I have a problem with one of them that looked a little bit scarce. So I had tree guys come out and say I should water it deeply every every month. Well, you know, that's it needs a couple extra deep waterings a year. Now, it's it's just wonderful when we have, like, the regular monsoon, the humidity's up. You know, right. and sometime with the pines, like in the spring, you'll see that you get a lot of aphids on them. They mm-hmm. kind of do a lot of damage, too. So you could actually treat them with, a, um, like, an insecticide that time of year. That'll, right. That'll knock those aphids out, and that'll really mm-hmm. help. And you could do that with Medicaps, or you can just put it on and run it in with your lawn sprinkler. Yeah, I do a drench once okay. in a while with for that. Yeah, just once in the spring. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Valerie. Bye bye. Bye bye. Uh, Allie in Scottsdale. Good morning, Allie. Good morning, Brian. I love your show. I listen every week. Um, I just have a quick question. We have um, planted over 20 trees on our property, but we have one spot where we just cannot keep a tree alive. And um, it's next to a huge agave. So we didn't know if the agave was putting something out that might be killing the trees in this one spot? No, not that I've ever heard of. Okay. so We just can't, just have one spot we can't get anything to grow. What are you trying, do you have mostly desert trees or do you have greener trees or what are you trying to grow there? Uh, Right now we have a citrus in there Mm -hmm. and it didn't make it either. Was it like a lot? Um, We planted all um, fruit bearing trees. So we have we have pomegranates out here. We have Mm -hmm. Buddha's hand. We have kefir lime, um, and we've tried a few things in this one spot, and it doesn't want to grow anything. Well, the hardiest of citrus for that spot would be a lemon. So of all okay. citrus, lemons are much tougher, if you, especially like a Lisbon lemon. Probably the hardiest, okay. fastest, easiest to grow citrus of all. So before you give up, if you want to try a really hardy you know, fruit like that, you could. Um, and that's going to be, if you're looking for citrus, that's going to be by far the hardiest. And the citrus in general are hardier than the stone fruits. Um, we didn't want to plant any more citrus because we have so many on the property. Hey, I got Is an idea for you, Allie. Why don't you yeah. plant a saguaro and eat the fruit off of it? That's a great idea. Have you ever tried a saguaro um, fruit? No, I haven't. They are to die for. I'll just tell you. Oh, really? They're wonderful. Yeah. So might um, take a little while to we, get big enough to fruit, but you, you can plant a saguaro there. And, if, you know, we don't think of those as being a food source or a fruit-bearing plant, but saguaro fruit is, is just delicious. Well, I've never even seen that. Um, this tree gets just baked. This area gets baked in the afternoon. So um, we were looking for maybe something that could provide some shade to the house. Well, if you want something really, you know, olive trees honestly should be really hardy. And you, if you, oh. you know, olives are going to be hardier than all the citrus. And olive trees will live a thousand years. And if you don't want fruit, oh, we have really nice Swan Hill olives that don't have any fruit. And uh, and olive trees are very, very drought tolerant when they're established. So you'll water it and kind of feed it and take care of it as long as you want it to grow fast. And then when they get up to size, you can back off and water an olive tree once a month in the summertime. It'll stay healthy. 
Wonderful. That sounds fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Allie. Bye-bye. Oh, let's see. It looks like it's time. She keeps sliding in here on us. This Heidi, she's back with us today, and she's sneaky. She just pops into the studio there. So we're going to take a break and find out what's happening in the world from Heidi Hummel with the news. We'll be right back. In the meantime, we do have one line available. You can give Shira a call at 602-277-5827. It's uh, Brian and Shira and Heidi here with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show, Sunday from 7 to 9 on 92.3 FM KTAR. Today I don't feel like doing anything I just want to lay in my bed Don't feel like picking up my phone So leave a message at the tone Cause today I swear I'm not doing anything uh, I'm gonna kick my feet up then stare at the fan Turn the TV on, throw my hand in my pants Nobody's gonna tell me Beautiful Sunday morning out there, and uh, well, we're here together anyway. Don't have to be. You, know, you guys could be at home in bed. Who knows? Uh, let's see. We get right to the phones. The lines are full. As one's gone, one's open. The number to call six zero two two seven seven five eight two seven two seven seven KTAR. Sue in Cave Creek. Good morning. Hi. Good morning, Brian. Uh, a couple questions for you. Bougainvillea have been attacked by that little green worm. Uh-huh. Spins a web, curls the leaves at the very tips of the branches, the young, new leaf. Um, two products, neem oil and then the safer, um, and nothing is touching it. Well, because so you're using the wrong systemic? products. Well, first off, okay, this time of year, it's too late to treat them because the, their, their party's over. The weather's changing. They're going to cycle out and be gone. Next year, mark your well, calendar. Well, that's what I was told. That's what I was told in the beginning of summer. That well, no, that's hot. They, well, they were mistaken. Okay, so we're not going to say they were wrong, but they were just mistaken. So mark your calendar okay, for right. mark your calendar for August first. Okay, treat your bougainvilleas with BT B T Bacillus thunginensis, and what it is B, it's a B, B is in boy yeah, Tom. Br- yep, boy Brian Thomas. So I, and okay. uh, so, so wait till next August. Well, because they're they're, they're gone. They're they're going to go away. They're going to go away with the season. Oh. They're not going to show up until next year in August. And August is when they show up and start feeding and partying and having a good time. So we want to interrupt okay. their party right from the beginning. So you want to spray okay. next year in August. Okay, you spray in August, and that'll kill them. The, the nice part about the BT or Bacillus thungensis is not toxic to the birds and things that might happen to eat the caterpillars you spray. And so it's a okay. very safe uh, organic product to use. Okay, it's a naturally occurring bacteria. Works very well. Kills grasshoppers and caterpillars. Okay. Okay. Great. Okay. So I'll spray them. But I have one more question. Yes. I just planted a um, mastic tree. It's Uh been in the ground for about 
of months, okay. and I'm not happy with where it's at. How okay. much damage am I going to do to it to move it? Probably none right now um, since it's brand new. What, what size was it, Sue? Oh, it's about... Oh, she's going on six feet already. She likes where she's at. Like a like a fifteen um, gallon size or twenty four inch box or what was it? Uh, Oops, Sue, you with us still? Well, Sue, you can listen. I'll tell you what. If so somehow Sue disappeared, but uh, no, I'm here. Oh, you're there. Okay. I'm here. My, my my mic disappeared. My headphones disappeared, but I fixed them. <laughs> so anyway, Sue, okay. I disappeared. I just couldn't hear. But anyway, so you can move it right now. You know, and it's not going to probably okay, harm it at right. all. It'd be the perfect time to do so. And what I would do is okay. after you move it, just uh, hit it with a little bit of Super Thrive when it, when you're transplanted. Okay, great. Can I squeeze in one more real quick question? If I do have a question for the nursery, uh-huh. I don't want to bother someone calling. Uh-huh. What is the website that I can maybe attach a picture to? Or uh, just Whitfield Nursery. Just, just Google Whitfield Nursery and it'll come right up. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Sue. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Oh, let's see. Next up, we have Michelle in Maricopa. Hi, Michelle. Hi, how are you this morning? Very fine. Thanks for asking. Good. Well, actually, the lady right before me just kind of hit a little bit on one of them. I was going to ask about the bougainvilleas and the the bugs that are kind of making the leaves sort of lacy in that. But mm-hmm. I think that BT bacillus, I think I'm too late. They're probably done at this point. Is that right? Yeah, pretty much they're ready to cycle out. You know, if you want to clean it up a little bit, you can prune them back moderately this time of year. Don't prune them back real hard, though, because you'll lose the bloom cycle for the winter. Okay. Um, but as far as those bugs that were causing that, is that what was also eating up my yellow bells? Exactly. And the same insect. You know, and we've only had those for about the last four or five years, Michelle. But, you know, it's a caterpillar. And hopefully, like other things, someday maybe they'll cycle out. But we've certainly seen them feeding on uh, yellow bells and bougainvilleas, which are two of our best summer plants. And they seem right. to really enjoy them. They, they found a nice place to live, those little caterpillars. They came here and said, wow, we're in heaven. We could find all kinds of fun things to eat in this city. And then the white flies, too, because I noticed they kind of seem to come along with that kind of thing. Well, the, the white, white fly flies. populations have been way down because the amount of cotton around, you know, much less. And I'll tell you, that's the, okay. one, the one thing you'll probably see in Maricopa is less cotton being planted because of the water availability. And so you'll have less white flies. Okay, but that, like we put seven on some of the stuff, and that seemed to kind of knock it down a little bit. Well, seven's um, a contact insecticide, so it you know kills what you spray it on. Um, okay. It doesn't have any residuals, so it doesn't last for a long term. Okay, and real quick, um, the thrip on my citrus trees, mm-hmm. is there something we can do about that, or does that hurt the tree? Does it hurt the fruit, or is it just ugly? <laughs> you know what we do with our place out there is we uh, we go out and eat steaks and, and drink a few beers for dove seeds and say, hey, look at those strips out there. Now, you you can spray them with a product called Spinosad, okay? But like on our organic citrus, uh, we can use that, but we only do one application a year, and the only reason why we do it is that we don't have the scars on the fruit so we can market it. Um, aside from that, what normally happens with the thrip is that they cycle and they 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 have a very fast life cycle about 14 days so you have generation after generation so no matter how you would treat them chemically you're never going to eliminate them but they have some natural predators that do a really good job they have lace wings and pirate bugs
bugs and, and ladybugs that all like to feed on thrip. So, you know, what we try to do is have more biodiversity, like plant watermelons around our citrus and different things, so we can keep the lacewing population up. Or if you have, like, peach trees which flower earlier, then you'll have lacewings. Because the lacewings fly, the little green dragonflies fly over to the citrus. They lay their eggs, which will look like a long string with a little white dot on the end. Not long. I mean, it's probably an eighth of an inch. But uh, when they hatch out, they go through and they eat the, the thrips. And so nature has a nice way of balancing things. Uh, so when the thrips get bad, then you're going to get more lacewings. On some citrus, like mandarins, you're going to always have more curly leaves and more thrip. They just seem to like them better. But uh, in, in general, there's not really a need to have to spray for them. Okay. And when can we eat the fruit that's coming out? We have a red grapefruit. A, it's like the white meat grapefruit that's super sweet. And then we have the tangelos. We got these all from you. Okay. So the um, Oro Blanco grapefruit, which is the, mm-hmm. the one with the white meat, it'll actually be pretty edible here in the next few weeks. So by okay. by November, it's even though it's going to be green on its out, outside, you know, it's still going to have decent flavor. The lemons uh, you could harvest right now. They will only get better between now and, and Christmas to New Year's, depending on the variety of lemon you have. So the best place to leave them is on the tree, but you can start harvesting lemons now. And commercially, lemons are being picked right now. We don't pick ours. We tree ripen all of ours. But there are people in, you know, in the citrus you know, market here in Arizona starting to harvest already. So those lemons are getting harvested. Red grapefruit is really not at its best until the spring. So like a ruby red oh. grapefruit is going to be at its best sometime after after April. And it'll be good on the tree all the way through the summer. So ruby red grapefruit's going to be good in April. It's going to be better in May and even maybe a little better in June. And then it's not quite as good after that. But it's probably its best marketable state, you know, I would say the end of May, 1st of June. And tangelos are really tricky. The tangelos, what happens with tangelos is they're going to turn this beautiful color of orange in December. And they're going to look so good and so yummy, but they're not ripe yet. And uh, so many of the tangelos really ripen about the second week of January. And we're working with some of our partners like Sprouts. Hopefully, I think this year they're going to hold off on those California tangelos. We'll be able to have the first ones in the market when they taste really good. And, um, you know, that's kind of the keys. When you when you go in and you buy a fruit of the store and it's delicious, you go back and buy more. So we try to harvest everything at its peak, you know, for our citrus business to get the best fruit in the stores so that when you go and eat, when you come back and buy a bunch more, that's kind of the whole idea. So your tangelo, if you'll just leave it alone, you know, till the second week of January, it'll taste a lot better. Okay, yeah, our tangelos, the first, when you guys planted them, the first time we had a ton on there, mm-hmm. great, and then the next year, nothing. <laughs> well, they, so. they are alternate bearers, too. So okay. tangelos have a heavier crop one year and a lighter crop the next. Okay, but the red grapefruit, is that, because um, I noticed that's when the, the blooms and the buds all started, was like in the spring, so you're telling me now if I've got fruit on there, I'm going to have my budding at the same time I've got my best well, actually, your best fruit isn't even ripe until. So, realistically, for a ruby red grapefruit to be its best on the tree, it takes that fruit about fifteen months to ripen. Okay. From the okay, from the so flower, my- from the flower till when it's its best is about fifteen months. Okay, so my next crop's going to be starting to bloom and bud 
while my ones are still ripening. Well, and, and like my trees at home, I'm still eating some grapefruit off of our, our red grapefruit now. And it's got okay. big red grapefruit, you know, from this year's crop for next year. So, you know, we're, okay. we're still eating the grapefruit on the grapefruit tree right now this late in the season. Now, they would have been a lot better, um, you know, three months ago. But they're still edible now. But they turn yellow when they're good, right? Yes, they're going to turn well, and when you can really tell on a ruby red when it's good, it'll have like a little red blush on the side. So it'll okay. it'll be yellow, but it'll almost also start to turn a little bit of a tinge to a red to it at the same time. Okay. All right. Great. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Take care. Uh, we're going to take a short break. We're going to come back with uh, Mike and Carol, and then it could be you. The number to call, 602-277-5827, 277-KTAR. Sunday morning. That was one of the co-writers. We played uh, the Bowie version today. Anyway, beautiful morning out there. I want to take a minute and invite you to Whitfields. You know, Whitfields, we've had a lot of fun growing trees here. We started with my grandparents back in the 40s and continuing today for four generations. If you need trees any kind, any size, from palm trees like date palms and Mexican blues to maybe that exotic-looking thing like a, a mule palm, which looks like a coconut, or perhaps the desert's more your area. You want to plant an ironwood tree. or We have a great mesquite called an American mesquite, which doesn't blow over or break in the wind, and you know, pretty hardy variety. It's a four-way hybrid that we have. If you want something that's going to live a long time, be sturdy, plant a Swan Hill olive. Or perhaps you want to grow that perfect citrus orchard. Whatever your dreams are, come out and see us. But now is also flower season. This is the time of year when the geraniums are coming down the hill. Yep, we got to get them off the hill before it gets too cold. And they're loving it here right now. Perfect weather, soft ground to plant in. So if you want to put in a flower bed, whether it be geraniums, pansies, petunias, snaps, stalks, all kinds of wonderful color, this is our spring. 
great time to plant a vegetable garden as well. And we have beautiful roses coming down the hill from the farm, too. Our original store is at 824 East Glendale Avenue or in the East Valley of Cooper, which is the same as Stapley in Guadalupe, or 2640 Southern, Southern Avenue, straight south of the Sky Harbor Airport. And Monday through Saturdays, if you're looking for trees, you can go to our big nursery in Stanfield, Stanfield Road, about a half mile south of Interstate 8. Woodfield Nursery for four generations, growing trees here in Arizona for Arizona's future. Uh, back to the phones. Next up, we've got Mike and Mesa. Good morning, Michael. Uh, good morning, Brian. Can you hear me? Very clearly, sir. Okay, good. You're kind of cutting out on my end. I got a couple of quick questions. Uh, I'm out in the backyard looking at my citrus and stuff, and I'm noticing that the lime tree of all trees has the white blotches on all the leaves. Is that thrift or is that some other problem with only the lime tree leaves? Yeah, it might be a little bit of sunburn, Mike. Is it a young tree? Uh, it's a couple of years old. Yeah, about uh, five feet tall. Yeah, you might just see, you might see some little blotches like that. You might see. Now, how you're talking about a, a, on the leaf, it's a pretty good sized patch. Yeah, it's, okay. it's multiple. Yeah, good sized patch of the white like blotching on the leaves. Okay, so I think that probably what you're seeing mostly, Mike, is probably just sunburn. Does the growth okay. out in the ends of the branches, do the tips look like they're growing pretty well right now? Oh, yeah. Okay, then, I, then you, you have no concerns. All right. And my other question is, I I might have missed some of your question on the pomegranate because I went out to look at my pomegranate bush slash tree when the previous caller was calling. And uh, I'm losing a lot of fruit as well. And I even went and I bought them little fruit bags uh-huh. off Amazon and I put them on my fruit to try to keep the bugs and birds off. But these darn like beetles gray-like flat beetles with mm-hmm. long arms are just uh-huh. all over the fruit. Well, if it's, they're on the fruit, the bags aren't doing their job because the idea is to insulate a fruit. And that is kind of the idea, you know, of using the paper bags is because, you know, you can hide them. You know, they're not even finding the fruit. They're not seeing them. So what I would do if they're at that point right now, if you want to try and save your fruit before they penetrate the bottom, really feed too much, I'd go ahead and spray them right now. And you could probably kill all those with malathion. So I, I would spray them, eliminate them, and then I would. What I would do is I'd try some paper bags on some versus leaving the little Ellie uh, bags on the others. But I, I would yeah. I would spray to kill them right now because they're going to really start to do damage right now as the fruit starts to ripen. And with change in weather, it's going to start to ripen. The sugar's going to go up, and they're going to feed on them, cause more problems. So I would. Well, uh, you answered. You I'd answered my question was. My question was, should I spray the tree and with what? I would, and I, I, I would this time of year. I just hit with some malathion. Malathion's a pretty good general. You know, it's safe. It only's got a one-day half-life, so it's nothing okay. that's going to cause any kind of residual problems. You can spray it on tomatoes and eat them with the skin. So, you know, it's it's a safe thing to use, and it does do a pretty good job. Do you know what them little flat beetles with the you long know, arms are I, called? I can't remember the name of them right now. They're pretty common, and I'll I'll tell you next week. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, you just you told me how to kill them. That's enough. That's all I need. All righty, Mike. All right. Good luck to you. Bye-bye. Bye. Oh, let's see. Carol in Gold Canyon. Hello, Carol. Hi. How are you doing, Brian? Great. How are you? Uh, great. Good. Um, question. I, I live on a rock. I mean, there is no dirt anywhere around me. Okay. Can you grow a lemon and a lime tree in a pot forever? Uh, absolutely. Now, I'll tell you that the trick is, though, is that you might not think there's dirt 
But even in the side of the hardest Rocky Mountain, anywhere a tree's growing, there is some soil in between there. You know, and I was thinking the exact same thing driving through Dreamy yesterday because I grew up over here. And I was looking at that mountain. It's like, how do those Palo Verdes possibly grow on that solid rock? You know, but they do. So here's the trick. As if you want to, you never have to plant your citrus tree in the ground. But if you put it in a pot, drill a lot of holes through the bottom of the pot and uh, plant it instead of in, in potting soil, plant it in dirt. And let it root through the bottom of the pot into the ground. And you'll be amazed in about 10 years how big it gets and how many of those roots actually go in there and find that there's some dirt in that rock pile somewhere. But uh, it's a great way to start it. You don't have to dig a hole. You don't have to you know mess with fighting the rock. You put it out there in that pot. Drill some holes so that the water can go through the pot. And it'll be fine. You know, my, okay. mo- my mom lives on a mountain right over here, you know, in Sunny Slope that I grew up on. And some of her nicest plants were never planted. They were just sitting in the ground and grew into that rock and are beautiful. Well, I don't get even. To, my husband put, uh, you know, like small, uh, oh, between a, a, a soccer ball and a baseball. I mean, huge rocks. Mm-hmm cover our entire landscape because we are on the side of a hill. Well, but there are in, the between, in between those rocks and Gold Canyon <laughs> for the most part, Carol, uh, there's clay. So Gold <laughs> <Yeah>. Canyon, <laughs> even though it's full of boulders, has clay in between. So if you want to okay. take the boulders out and put a tree in the ground, it'll do fine. But if you want to start in a pot and just keep it in the pot and not put the time into digging the hole, make holes in the bottom of the pot, let it root in the soil, it'll be fine. Okay, got that. Now, uh, I think of Virgitaka, is there there's a lime that's a little bit like the Myers lemon. Is it Myers or something? Well, there's a Meyer which, lemon, which is a cross between a mandarin and a uh, lime. And a, and a, yeah. And a, okay, or, and but a, in the lime tree. In the lime tree, the, li- the, the lime you want to plant, plant here is a Mexican lime. Okay, that's what I keep telling my friends. That's the little that, small round one. The big one, the bear's lime, doesn't do well. And that's the other thing I told her. Uh, unfortunately, my second question was about white flies. Carol, I'll and tell I you what, I'm out of time, you. so I'm going to put you on hold, and I'll take you off the air, okay? Okay. Okay, and John and Jerry, I'll take you off the air as well. Folks, we appreciate all the calls today. Hope you enjoyed the program. You know, it's a funny topic for the end of the day is liberty. You know, liberty has a lot of different ideas. We have liberty in, you know, from government tyranny, from all these different things. But, you know, mainly liberties from one another. You know, all the prejudice we put on each other is what we need freedom from. When we work together like a team, we realize that God gave us all free will. And God comes in every form. You can call him Allah. You can call him whatever you want to. You can be Yahweh. I don't care what God's name is. But at any rate, you know, that freedom from judging one another is what true liberty is. Let's go out and work together like a team. Let's be like successful like these baseball teams like San Diego who beat L.A. last night. And uh, have a nice weekend. We'll be back with you next Sunday with the Whitfield Nursery Garden Show. Appreciate all the calls.